everybody. Before we jump into the episode, we're super excited to be doing the Wide Angle Podium Donor Drive drawing. So if you were part of the Donor Drive way back in August, there is a potential prize pack headed your way. Um, just to pull out your Narweasel's number plate and let's have like a drum roll while we pull the number. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> All right. And the random draw is number 388. So if you were number 388 on your Narweasel's number plate, uh, pull it out and take a photo of it and email it or tweet it to the Wide Angle Podium Network. That's right. And if 388 is not your number, you can also go to every, the other four, or sorry, the other three Wide Angle Podium shows that's Crosshairs Radio, The Honest Bicycle Show, and The Slow Ride, and see what they put out as the winning number. That means four total chances to win from the Wide Angle Podium Network. Yeah, super exciting. And I have to say, my books are part of the prize package, uh, Saddle Sore Editions 1 and 2, and Mud, Snow, and Cyclocross. So if you didn't get enough cyclocross on this last weekend at Cyclocross Nationals, this is your chance to relive some of the magic that is cyclocross in the U.S. and to learn how to ride a lot more comfortably. So definitely check on your number plate and let us know if you've won. And to the winner, congrats and very exciting. All right, let's get back to our episode. Thanks for listening to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you're listening to this, we're assuming you're already well on your way to being the consummate athlete that you, you hope to become. And if you're already one of the healthy people, did you know that you can get a special rate due to an active and health-conscious lifestyle on your life insurance? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense for a life insurance company to go and you know give great rates to healthy people, active people, just like yourself, cyclists, runners, crossfitters, whatever you're into, they're offering great rates for healthy people because for them, it's a win. You know, we're seeing way lower risk of things like heart disease, lower risks of early death. So why not give those people a, a lower rate on their life insurance? Absolutely. If you want to check this out and test your Health IQ over at Health IQ, visit healthiq.com backslash consummate athlete. Again, that's healthiq.com backslash consummate athlete. We'll have a link in the show notes as well if you don't have a place to write it down. Definitely worth checking out. It's a huge savings and just such an awesome thing to do seeing a company is supporting, you know, really active people like yourself. And they're supporting this podcast. I mean, if, if you're just even like, oh, I don't know about this, I don't even know what life insurance is, why don't you go over? They have some pretty cool quizzes, actually. Uh, they have some cycling quizzes. They have a weightlifting quiz that I took. I got a question wrong, and I had to retake it because I couldn't possibly have not gotten 100%, so I had to retake it. So, I mean, it's a pretty neat website, actually. So if you just go check it out, that'd be awesome. Again, uh, healthiq.com uh, slash consummate athlete. Go check that out. We'd appreciate it. And I think in the end, it might just save you some money. Absolutely. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. Hey, 
everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford. And I'm Peter Glassford. Today, we're talking about one of my favorite topics in the world, running. Uh, we have Amy Schilling, who ran 40 marathons before her 40th birthday as part of her big, scary goal. Of course, that's not all Amy does. She also does ultra marathons. She coaches kids. She coaches adults. Running is sort of her life, but she's not she's not like a professional marathoner or anything she's a mom and you know has a normal life outside of athletics so we knew she was somebody we wanted to talk to yeah we go into some goal setting stuff you know how to start into running with sort of shorter distances like 5k um yeah i think this is a really well-rounded podcast for anyone who's been sort of playing around with running or or wants to run or hasn't had success running i think there's something in there that that might help you get going Mm -hmm. absolutely uh one of the other really interesting things is she did seven back-to-back marathons so seven of those 40 were just back to back to back so just the rest and recovery and what goes into planning for that uh was super interesting so i really love this idea of okay i ran one marathon what's sort of my next goal okay let's let's try to do you know an ultra marathon or let's try to do five marathons this year i mean you don't have to do five marathons in a year that's in my opinion crazy talk but (laughs) yeah and definitely i mean because we talked about that seven marathons in seven days we got into a bit of sort of training for those you know stage racing type environment so i mean if you're into cycling or running or even tournaments for you know multi sorry tournaments for uh, like team sports like hockey or something like that that sort of how you prepare for that um, in training you know do you just do seven days of running to prepare for seven days of running you know not necessarily so we talk about different training tactics for that and how to sort of get yourself ready for that ongoing sort of day-to-day grind versus just one single marathon obviously it's a little different so if you're we're planning out a stage race or, or multi-day event this year. I think you'll find something of benefit there as well. Absolutely. And I really love where we ended with it, where we talked about she's done the 40 by 40. Uh, and that was her big, you know, original goal. So how do you how do you react once you're done with that big, scary goal? You hear about that with people with Ironmans, you know, when they yes. sort of, especially people who do it in sort of middle age is sort of their big thing. They sort of randomly decide they're going to do an Ironman. And then afterwards, they're like, because it's been so encompassing, you know, suddenly they have... All of this time and, yeah, yeah, no no looming goal. And, you know, you don't necessarily want to just go and do another Ironman or do two Ironmans or something like that. Mm -hmm. So sort of figuring out what the next step is. But her main thing is just that she's already thinking about what the next big step is. Mm -hmm. She's not even 40. She finished it ahead of schedule, I believe. She did. I think she said she was 37. It's three years ahead of schedule. It's a lot of running. Well, and I mean, it was a challenging goal too, but she sort of got into it, right? So, I mean, that's part of that goal setting process is something that you, you can do, but still a little a little uh, intimidating, but mm-hmm. then also is doable, right? Because mm-hmm. if it's so big, you know, if it was something that she couldn't do, then it's going to be a little demoralizing, right? Absolutely. Yeah, well, let's let's get into it. I hope you enjoy this episode, whether you're a runner or not. All right, here's Amy Schilling. 
Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Today we're here with Amy Schilling of 40 by 40 Fitness and she's going to talk to us about her really ambitious goal that she just finished of doing 40 marathons by the age of 40, um, which she capped off by running seven marathons in seven days in seven states uh, as a fundraiser for World Vision. So she's done a lot of running, so we're going to talk a lot about running today. Um, We're going to talk about that for the kids. She works with some kids groups, but then also coaches adults for a marathon, which I think a lot of athletes, people who are looking at different sports, maybe after they finish stuff, are looking at getting into marathoning or maybe crossing that bucket list item off. So it sounds like Amy is a great person to talk about how we sort of get started with running or avoid some of the common pitfalls of the classic you know, finish one marathon and be done with running type people. So Amy, welcome to the Consummate Athlete. Thank you. And congratulations on achieving this goal. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was very, um, it was almost unbelievable. The the feeling when we, when we completed it. And and you're, you did that by the age of 36. Yeah. Correct. Okay. So you're early, you're ahead of schedule. Yeah. A few years ahead of schedule. Um, but it was a very good feeling to know that, you know, not only was I going to be able to finish the goal, but, uh, yeah, that I was going to be able to do it early and now kind of looking at what the next goal is. Right. So, so now when did you set this goal? Like when were you at zero marathons? Um, I did my first marathon back in 2008 and I was 28 years old at the time. Uh, and the first couple years that I did them, I would only do one or two marathons a year. And I was uh, still in the process of having my children the first several years that I ran marathons. And so it kind of went along the lines of, you know, run a marathon or two, and then I would get pregnant and, you know, step back from marathoning uh, during the pregnancy. And then after I had the baby, I would work my way back into it. And uh, so I had a couple kids after I started running marathons. So it wasn't until uh, 2013 that I really started doing them frequently. And uh, the end of 2013 was when I came up with the crazy 40 by 40 goal. Okay. So you already had a few in the bank and then sort of were like, okay, well, I'm at 20 or whatever. And then you were going to do a bunch more. Yeah. I think by the time I set the goal, I had done 12 or 13 maybe. Okay. Um, and I had done them over the course of, um, let's see, I started in 2008. So uh, what would that be, seven years? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was only one or two a year for the most part. And then, yeah, at the end of 2013 was when I really started to ramp it up. I like just the idea of uh, only one or two a year, whereas most people would think, like, only one or two marathons in my life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and the funny thing is, when I ran my first marathon, I did think of it as a bucket list item. Um, I had originally set the goal for myself to run a marathon when I was 14 years old, and I was running on the high school cross-country team, and I didn't actually run my first until I was 28 years old, so literally twice the age that I was when I had first set this goal, and it had always just been like, oh, you know, I want to run a marathon and I did that first one, and I was like, wow, you know, I actually really like this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, yeah, it kind of grew from there. Wow. I like the idea of the, you know, this big scary goal. And it's, you know, I think a lot of my clients are certainly, you know, regular people. They have kids. They have jobs and stuff. And so, you know, it's not as obvious as, you know, the elites I work with where it's, you know, we're obviously going for world championships. We're obviously trying to make the national team. You know, it's the the point B is pretty laid out. But for the quote-unquote normal people, finding that point B, that that goal is hard. So I, I like, you know, you sort of just picked 
you know, a relatively abstract thing, right? And it was completely for yeah. you, right? Like it was at, when you started this, it wasn't, it wasn't a fundraiser. It wasn't your business. It wasn't, it wasn't anything, right? Like it was just you. Yeah, it, it was just me. And, um, you know, I have always used races as a way to keep me motivated. And so when I first set this goal, you know, I was looking at the calendar and I was thinking, yeah, you know, it's going to be a stretch, but it's something that I can do. And I am the type of person that I always want to have a goal to be working towards. Um, I always want to be improving something or, you know, just trying to be the best that I can be, whether it's, you know, as an athlete, as a mom, as a coach, as an employee, um, you know, whatever it is, I I want to always be growing and learning. And yeah, so that was kind of my motivation uh, for starting it. And then everything else has sort of just grown out of that. It's just um, sort of become very organic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I picked up some coaching clients and, uh, you know, then the crazy idea for the World Vision fundraiser came about. And yeah, everything has just sort of built upon each other. It's funny, the, you know, a lot of times we have all these grand plans and, you know, try and we overthink things, but I have a friend who his, his big advice to the younger people we know when they're, you know, struggling to find what they want to do, he always says like, just do something like you just got to just start, just do something. Right. You know, and worst case, you'll figure out you don't like it, but you know, <laughs> or you'll figure out, you know, okay, you're good at this or, you know, you like this part of it or You'll meet right. someone who tells you to do this or gives you this opportunity or, or whatever, right? But if you just yeah. sit there planning out, you know, if you were sitting there, how you were going to make your personal training business and, you know, run, you know, all these 40 marathons or whatever before you even ran a marathon, right? Like you just started running. Right. You did one for you. You didn't advertise it. You know, you just did one. Yeah. And, and really, I think that's great advice because, you know, I think sometimes we, we get so in our head that we don't actually then follow through and just do it. And sometimes you don't know until you do it. Um, I mean, there have been things that I've tried that I thought, yeah, it's okay, but I'm not going to do it again. And then other things that, you know, like the marathons that I tried and I just fell in love with and it's opened up a ton of doors for me as a result of it. So, yeah, I think that's great advice. You, you don't know until you actually try. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, on that first marathon you did... Like, did you, was it just completion or what was the, what was your goal yeah. that for the first marathon? So we haven't even set the 40 goal yet. Like when you were right. just starting, like what was, why did you, why did you choose that? Why, you know, what was, what was the goal? Yeah. So the first marathon, the goal was just completion. And to be perfectly honest, when I did my first marathon, I didn't know anyone who had ever run a marathon. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I had no one to talk to, no one to ask questions. So I just went out and did it. I, I did, um, obviously I trained for it, but I wasn't aware at the time that there were training plans from different coaches. And so I just went out and ran a whole bunch of miles in training and showed up at the starting line. <laughs> I love it. Wow. Yeah. And so it, it wasn't like this grand thing where I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to follow this plan. You know, now I think there's so much more information readily available. And I suppose if I had really thought to look, I could have found it back in 2008. But at the time, like, like I said, I didn't know anyone that had done one. Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, I didn't have anyone that I could ask like, hey, how did you train for this? Um, yeah, I just went out and ran a bunch of miles and showed up at the starting line and did it. And it was slow, especially compared to, you know, what I do now, you know, now that I actually kind of know what I'm doing <laughs> and follow an actual training plan, um, you know, and do specific types of workouts to increase my speed. Um, it, it's very different now than it was that first one. But yeah, the first one, the goal was just completion and, I did complete it, and okay. yeah, it, it just it, after that it was okay. Well, can I do another one faster? And you know, eventually it was okay. I, you know, I've done some faster. Can I go longer? And then I would start getting into ultra marathons, right. and so yeah, it's just sort of taken off. Do, do you do? Do you do any five or ten k's? Like, is that part? Of, I do. Was that part of your build up for that first one, or is it something now that you are like, oh wow, I wish you know, or that's something that you definitely include? Um, I've always done five or ten k's. Um, even when I was training for that first marathon, I would occasionally race a five or a ten k. Um, I actually started off uh, with the shorter distances when I first started running. I was twelve, and I joined the middle school cross country team. Um, and you know, our race at the time, time was two miles. And then when you got to high school, it was a 5k. And so, yeah, 5ks were kind of my background, um, in running. And so I would still do them leading up to the marathon and I still do them now. I just, I don't specifically train for a 5k Mm -hmm. when I, my training is more geared towards the longer distances and a 5k is almost a speed workout for me. Right, right. So. so now what about with the adults you're working with? Is, are they, is that how you start most people is sort of building towards a 5 and 10K or you know, does that play into it at all or is it pretty focused on that marathon pace? Uh, truthfully, it depends on their background. Um, if someone has never run a mile before in their life, then yes, I do encourage them to go out, uh, you know, start with a 5K, you know, do a couple 5Ks, work your way up to a 10K, work your way up to a half marathon. Um, you know, the marathon is the big distance that, you know, everybody wants to accomplish because, you know, it seems like this, you know, awesome goal. It's like the ultimate running um, experience. And it is. It's amazing. The, fin- the feeling that you get when you cross the finish line of your first marathon um, it's such a huge sense of accomplishment and it's really hard to describe to someone that's never experienced that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, obviously I, I do think a marathon is a great goal for, um, uh, a good percentage of the population, but if they've never run before, yes, I do start them off with a shorter distance because I want to make sure that they're building gradually, um, and, that they're doing it in a healthy manner. If you ramp up too quickly, you're more likely to develop injuries and even burn out. And I want this to be something that they not only enjoy and love, but that they can continue to do. I don't want it to be something where, okay, we're going to ramp up, we're going to do one marathon, and then we're going to go back to sitting on the couch. Right. I, I want it to be something that they can continue to do for a lifetime. Right, to get sort of hooked on. So then yeah. what, what, what would you say is a good timeline for someone, you know, who is sort of, you know, they've been active, they've played like some rec hockey or something, you know, and then they right. want, they want to do this. So then like, what would be like, you know, we're in November, December, say right now, 
you know, is that a good time to start playing around with running if they're going to run maybe like a September, like traditional sort of big marathon season is late summer, September, I believe. So is that like too far right. out or is that a decent time? Um, again, it kind of depends on their background. If they're pretty active, it might actually be a little bit too long. Um, generally, the rule of thumb that I use is I want people to be able to run 15 to 20 miles a week relatively consistently before they start in a marathon-specific training plan. And the training plans, depending on what you go with, tend to go anywhere from 12 weeks up to 20 weeks with, you know, 12 to 16 weeks being the most popular length. So um, as long as they're able to run 15 to 20 miles a week, then you're okay to dive into a 16-week training plan or a 12-week training plan, which, I mean, really, 12 weeks is only three months. Um, So Mm -hmm. it's not as long as some people think it is. Uh, You know, 16 weeks is four months. But, again, if they're not running at all, then I would take a little bit longer time, maybe more like six months, help them ramp up to that 15 to 20-mile a week threshold before then diving into the true training plan. Yeah, and I think on the note of sustainability, like it's the tissue just takes so well, not even and not muscle, but like the connective tissue takes so long to actually adapt. Like yes. it's painful how long it takes, but um, you know it's much more painful to be injured for your entire running career because you didn't ever take those first you know those preparation months to sort of just gradually build into it. Right. And and that's the thing that I've found is it's usually the buildup that is the period where people are going to get injured. So you really want to be careful with that initial buildup. Um, you know, it's funny now that I'm running so many marathons, I've done 14 marathons and ultras so far this year. Um, and I've got a couple more planned before the end of the year. And everybody always thinks, oh, my gosh, you're doing so much. You know, aren't you going to get injured? But I don't. And part of it is, you know, I've already done the buildup and I'm maintaining a certain base now. Mm -hmm. Uh, My body isn't under that stress. You know, the connective tissue has already adapted. But it's that initial buildup when you haven't done one before that you really want to be careful Mm -hmm. because you don't want to cause an injury. And, you know, if you do injure the connective tissue, then it's going to set you back and it's going to take time for that to heal. And that's a lot of people get impatient. And they want to push through anyway, and that's probably not the healthiest thing to do. Yeah, you see it a lot. Just the like, I just need to get through this race and stuff, and it's just that person has foot pain, you know, for the rest of their life or something. Like it's because we never go back and just sort of like you know do the do the exercises and just start back at like super short runs. So yeah. um, So on the note, let's. I just want to don't want to go too far from your marathon uh, experiment goals there. um, Yeah. Before we go on to sort of coaching and sort of getting other people running, you did have so you did do your fifty and you have your fourteen in a year, and that number doesn't seem super crazy to me. I mean, it's it's maybe a a titch higher, but like you say, once you, you know, once you can finish a marathon and walk away without being you know debilitated for weeks, um, you know, you can do them with relative you know, frequency. Um, but with your seven and seven, that's certainly, you know, that's bumping up certainly the loading on those tissues. So was there anything specific you did to prepare for those, that, that crazy week, um, versus when you were just doing, you know, 40 within, 
you know, you had realistically 15 years to do it. So that's, right. <laughs> you know, what did you do to sort of just bump up, you know, that resiliency? So in the build up to get ready for the seven day series, I was doing a lot of back to back long runs. And I actually, um, you know, I would do a 20 miler one day and then go out the next day and do a 30 miler so that my body could adapt, not only get used to running on tired legs, but yeah, give my connective tissue a chance to adapt to just taking that beating day after day after day. And one of the things that I did um, was a 10 by 10 challenge. And so it was for 10 days straight, I went out and I ran a minimum of 10 miles a day. Uh, And again, the whole purpose was just to get used to uh, you know, going out and running long every day because um, the seven day series that I did, you know, none. My goal for them was um, to re- find a balance between uh, being able to recover after every race, so not pushing myself so hard that I couldn't go back out the next day and do it all over again, but also not spending all day out on the course because time on your feet. Uh, when you're in the sun, you know, that takes a toll on your body too. Mm-hmm. And so it was finding that balance between, you know, how far to push without pushing too far. Um, and my my goal going into it, um, I thought that if I could run roughly a four-hour and 30-minute marathon, that that would be a pace that would be relatively sustainable mm-hmm. day after day. And I was pretty... I was pretty close to that. Um, my marathon PR is a 334.44. So I was looking at something that was roughly an hour slower than my marathon PR. But then, you know, you're going out and you're doing it day after day. Mm-hmm. And um, all of the marathons that I did ended up being between 427 and 453. Right. So, which I mean, it, given different courses and wins and everything else, probably isn't an unexpected. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, the yeah the slower the slowest one was the most hilly course that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the four twenty seven was a little bit uh, flatter, and it was earlier in the week when I was fresher. But um, yeah, I mean, it the seven and seven days went amazingly well. Um, I actually. I have no explanation for this, but I didn't get sore (laughs) Mm -hmm. at all. Like I figured by the end of the week that I would probably be hobbling around and, you know, just trying to get through it. But, you know, I would get a little bit stiff when we would like get in the car and drive from state to state. You know, when I would first get out of the car, I would be a little bit stiff, but I never had any soreness. Um, And actually on day six, I felt so good that I kept going. I upgraded to a 50K that day um, and ended up breaking my 50K PR by 15 minutes. Oh, wow. On day six, (laughs) which is completely ridiculous to think about. But um, yeah, it was just a matter of pacing and making sure that I was reserving enough energy. And by the end of it, I still felt great. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think we introduced the fact that you also have kids and, and a family and stuff too, but that's important to note. You know, maybe people are thinking like, oh, it must be nice to have this charmed <laughs> life where you get driven, you know, but, you know, you're doing this on your own time and everything else too. It's, you know, yes. life, life exists for you for sure. So, Yes, it does. I'm I'm married and I have four children. My oldest is 12 and my youngest is four. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it, it's not running is not my life. I mean, it certainly is a part of my life, but my life doesn't revolve around running. So, so now let's go in here. You, you do some work with grade three to four runners. What uh, is that like in a school setting or, or what, what are you doing with that? Yeah. And actually it's grades, uh, three through six and it is an elementary running program. It actually acts as a feeder program for the middle school cross country team for the school district that uh, my kids attend. And so what it is, is we start, you know, roughly around the beginning of cross country season and we open it up to any child in that grade that wants to participate. Uh, There's no fee for them to participate in it. They just um, show up to practice and then we, I help prepare them to be able to run a mile at that age. And roughly a third of the kids that I was coaching had previous run experience. The other two thirds did not. So what we would do was um, we would practice a couple days a week. And then when some of the older kids, the high school kids and the middle schoolers would have their cross country meets, there were one mile kids races at the same meet and it was you know on a very similar course so it was a cross-country style course and we would take the kids and then they could get out and get a little taste of what it would be like to run cross-country so um yeah it was yeah it was a very so now do you have you know i've done a bit of work with that sort of age group and they're they're pretty Mm -hmm. fun but they're also they got a lot of energy and they like you know stuff to keep moving. So, yes, they so, do. <laughs> you know, and to me running, I love running, but it's, you know, it's not the most exciting thing. Um, right. Cross country can be a little more exciting maybe than like road running, but how do you keep them, you know, engaged? Like are there certain drills or, you know, games or something that you play? Yeah. So every practice, um, the beginning of the practice would be the same. We always had the same, uh, quarter mile loop that we would run for our warm up and then we would do drills and then we would run a little bit on our home cross country course but then after we did that part um I would always change it up you know sometimes we would go up to the track and we would do different uh exercises on the track sometimes we would go out to the one hill that was on the cross country course and we would do looped hill repeats Um, And then at the end of the practice, I would also let them play a game. And, you know, in their mind, they're just having fun. But all of the games involved running. And so they're still getting that workout in, but it's more of a game to them. You know, they're not seeing it as a workout. They're seeing it as going out and having fun with their friends playing tag. So, So capture the flag, tag, that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, they they had a game that they liked called Sharks and Minnows. And so we would take like half of the length of the football field and 
uh, one person would start out as the shark and everybody else had to run across the field. And if they got tapped, then they were also a shark. And you just kept running back and forth across the field until everybody has been tagged. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in their mind, it's, you know, this awesome game. And really what they're doing is sprint repeats. Yeah. I was going to say <laughs> like 50 meter repeats here or something. Right. But, you know, in their mind, they're just having a blast. So. Awesome. Now, as far as you mentioned, like warm up drills and stuff, like what does that look like? Um, I guess for it's not really much different, but like what, you know, I like using kids programs, I think, because a lot of times with kids, we'll keep stuff simple and fun. And then for adults, we'll often not make it as fun, right. but like the adults would have as much fun if we just use it. So I like to yeah. often when people have either the mix or, or just the other, I like to drill in on that. So what do like, the, what is a warm up drill for running for, for kids? Like, what does that look like? So after we would do, um, I always start off with a very, very light jog just to get the muscles warm. Um, And then after that, we would do uh, dynamic stretching drills. And so it's not static stretching where you're just standing there, you bend over, you touch your toes. Uh, That's not the type of drill that I recommend before you run. The type of drill that you want to do is where you are in motion and sort of mimicking the motion that you would do during running. And so we would do drills. um, We would do bounds, which is kind of a variation of a skip where you're trying to cover as much ground with each skip as you can. And so I would describe it to the kids as long skips. Um, We would do uh, a, a drill that we called Frankenstein kicks. And it's the idea is to stretch out the hamstrings and you just kind of, uh, kick your foot in front of you and keep your arms straight, almost like Frankenstein, um, as you're walking. And then we would go, we would do leg swings where you are swinging your leg, uh, from side to side, you know, one leg at a time, uh, just warming up those muscles and, uh, preparing them for the workload that's coming. Awesome. So yeah, nothing, you know, complex, but it's, I think a lot of times people will skip that stuff, but you know, yeah. that, that definitely helps. Now, would you, would for you personally, do you have something that you do, you know, most days when you're going out, especially, you know, on these bigger marathon days? Like, do you have that same sort of active flexibility stuff that you do as far as, far as a routine? Um, I do some on my own, yes. Uh, what I personally do, um, a lot of runners have inactive glutes where, our hamstrings and our quads become very, very strong because of running. Uh, But our hips and our glutes then tend to not fire as much as uh, they ideally would. And so for me personally, um, I know that with my background in running, I've been running for a very long time. um, That is a weakness with me. And so a lot of my personal warm-up revolves around trying to get those muscles firing before I actually start. And so I'll actually incorporate uh, some squats, some lunges, things that are going to activate those muscles Mm -hmm. uh, because I know that that has traditionally been a weakness for me and it's a weakness for a lot of runners. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I add that in and um, that's something that I don't necessarily make the kids do. Because, you know, at their age, they're doing, you know, they're going out, they're playing on the playground, you know, they're uh, 
jumping rope. They're, they're doing a wider variety of things where I think when you get to be an adult, you just kind of focus more on your sport and you don't do the other activity. You don't just go out and swing on a swing mm-hmm. or play hopscotch or, you know, just play a pickup game of basketball, whereas the kids are doing that. That's what we're trying to encourage people to do here, but yes. we'll see how we see how we do with that. And as you yeah. say, <laughs> modern life has its way of taking that stuff out of us. But uh, yeah, it does. I think that makes sense. I think as you get into stuff, you start sort of knowing, okay, you know, I'm getting this, you know, pain or discomfort or whatever. And when I warm up, you know, I can sort of do some things to make that, you know, less so. Um, right. And for whatever reason that works, who knows, but. Um, I think that that's good. So now with your running, uh, adults, your, your, what, what was our phrase for people who are, are swimmers? What was the swim? Late onset swimmers. So <laughs> late onset marathoners. Um, yes. now what are, are you meeting with them more in like a track environment for the sake of like a meeting spot or where do you usually meet with your marathoners that are adults? Um, sometimes it is at a track. Sometimes, um, we actually have a local run group that meets in front of a Starbucks. Um, and so it depends. I try not to do uh, every workout for a marathon on a track. We'll maybe do one a week on a track. But really, um, I'm a big proponent of doing your training on the same type of surface that you're going to be running your race on. So if you are training for a road marathon – uh, you can do some runs on a treadmill, you can do some runs on a track, but you really need to be putting in some road miles as well. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times, you know, we're meeting at either a park or a Starbucks, um, occasionally a track, and we'll be doing the runs. Uh, we'll start there, but then a lot of times we head out on the road. Right. Now, when you're at a track, like what would be like an example of a workout you would do fairly commonly there? Uh, so track workouts, I tend to do longer track workouts for marathon training, um, especially, you know, when people start running and they start doing track workouts, you know, a lot of people will do 400 meter repeats and that doesn't always translate well to a marathon. Um, so one of the workouts that we will do is called Yasso 800s and it's 800 meter repeats And whatever your goal time is for the marathon, so if you're looking to run a 3.30 marathon, you would run your 800-meter repeat in 3 minutes and 30 seconds. Um, And that's one of the workouts that we would do. You would do anywhere between 6 repeats earlier in the season, building up to 10 uh, as you get later in the season and a bit closer to your marathon. Uh, That's about the shortest that I'll go. Uh, We do... A lot of one-mile repeats, and actually, if possible, I prefer to do those on the road as well. You know, depending on where you're located, it's not always possible to do it on the road uh, without having to stop for traffic or, you know, if you don't have a safe place to do it. But uh, one-mile repeats tend to work really well uh, for a marathon. Okay. Um, and then I sort of related to that, I, I gave you sort of the one question I like to ask some people, you know, especially coaches and stuff that are working with people is sort of, you know, if someone only had three, uh, you know, three slots to run a week and, you know, maybe for an hour, 
you know, and that includes our warm up and cool down and stuff. You know, what what would be that one workout that you would slot in there? You know, and, you know, in an ideal where we maybe mix it up. But if there was only, you know, right. they, they only have mental capacity for one workout, what would that one workout be? So if it's the first marathon that they're doing, I would definitely recommend that they focus on the long run because not only is it going to prepare your body for being out there for several hours at a time, but it's also going to prepare you mentally. Um, I, I think the key to running a marathon and especially your first marathon is just knowing that you can do it, you know, knowing that, yes, I can go out and run for, you know, four hours straight. Uh, that is a huge mental barrier for a lot of people. Sure. And so, you know, if you're, if, especially if you're only doing your first marathon or maybe you haven't done one in a year, I would say that the long run would definitely be what to focus on. If you've done one in the past year and you still have somewhat of a base, then I would recommend people focus on the tempo run uh, because that is a really good run to not only build your aerobic capacity, but to also increase your speed. And it's going to make uh, running your marathon a lot more comfortable. And so for tempo, that would be more like half marathon pace, or how are you defining tempo? Um, so what I do for tempo is I take my marathon pace, and then I run it at roughly 30 to 45 seconds faster per mile. So, um, and we build up, we start off usually around three miles at the beginning of a training cycle. And by the end of the training cycle, we usually max out with a couple tempo runs of 10 miles at that pace. And so if you can run 30 seconds faster than your marathon pace over a 10 mile distance, then when you go to actually run the marathon on race day, it's really going to help. Um, it's going to help your speed, and it's going to help you feel much more comfortable because the race pace isn't going to feel like such a stretch. Right. Yeah, you can sort of just settle into that, and but it's not so slow that you feel awkward slowing down that little bit. Right. I like it. Um, and what about shoes? What do you give people as far as guidance on? You know, they're coming to these marathon. Uh, you know, courses and sort of running groups and stuff, you know, I, I would assume this, this topic of shoes, it's often a heated topic, but, uh, you know, how do you guide people in that sort of jungle of shoes that we, we're faced <laughs> with these days? It is a very, very heated topic. And everybody has their own personal opinion. You know, you have people that are minimalist and think that you don't need, shoes. you know, any, <laughs> yeah, you don't even need shoes. You can run barefoot. Um, and then you have the maximalist people on the other side of the spectrum that want all the cushion they can get. Um, and so what I tell people is for a marathon, um, I, I highly recommend that you go to a local running shoe store, not just a sporting goods department store, an actual store that focuses on running. And let the staff there look at your gait, look at whether you pronate or supinate, because the shoe needs to match your gait. Ideally, you want the shoe to just stabilize you. Um, you don't want your foot rolling inward too much. You don't want the shoe um, pushing you up too much on your toes. You, you need to find the one that's the right for you, that that is the right fit for you. Um, 
And I don't think that there really is a one size fits all answer for that. So I, I always just tell people to, you know, just make sure that the shoe is fit to your foot because I know I have friends that absolutely love Asics. It is their favorite shoe. Um, they won't run in anything else. I can't wear them. Um, when I did try to run a marathon in a pair of Asics, I got the worst blisters of my life. And it's just the shape of the last, the shape of the actual base of the shoe is not a good fit for my foot. Um, and different shoe companies have different lasts. You know, some companies build their shoes a little bit wider. Some build them a little bit narrower. Some have a wider toe box. Some have a narrower toe box. Um, and so it's all about finding the shoe that is going to give you the right level of support, that's going to keep you stable because you don't want, you know, your foot hitting at a weird angle. Um and that isn't going to rub. So, and on the, the other piece of advice that I give people is whatever size shoe you wear in regular shoes, buy at least one size up in your running shoes. Um, because you want to make sure that um, as you run, your foot swells just a little bit, it expands. And if you have that extra room in your shoe, then you're not going to deal, you're not going to get the blisters. You're not going to have to deal with the black toenails that everybody hears about. Um, that doesn't have to be a given. Okay. And so you're thinking like a, a 36 to a 37 type thing, not like eight to nine as far as shoe size. Um, well I wear, um, in us shoe size, I wear a women's nine and I typically go up to a 10 Okay. In women's and occasionally, depending on the fit of the shoe, even a ten and a half, and they're not sliding around on me. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's not like my foot is sloshing around in the right. shoe. Right. Um, and truthfully, by the end of the race, it it fits pretty well. Yeah, I can definitely say I know. For me, it's yeah, sizing half a size up, and I know that works. Yeah. So. It, and, you know, some people a full size works, some people it's a half a size, mm -hmm. some people it's one and a half. But yeah, it's a matter of finding the right size and the right shoe I for do you. I like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, probably avoid ordering online. I feel like that's kind of a huge pitfall if you've never tried on the specific shoe before. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, you know, I've heard so many people that have gone into just a general sporting goods store, like they'll mm -hmm. go... And they'll go to like Dick's Sporting Goods or something and they'll just pick out a shoe that they like the colors. And then they're complaining that their feet are hurting. <laughs> and it's like, well, you didn't pick the shoe based on it fitting your foot. You know, you liked how it matched your running tights. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> um, which, okay, you know, I'm sure there's probably an equally pretty shoe that will also fit your foot really well. <laughs> totally. <laughs> But let's go for function as well as yeah. form here. We can we can add style later, but let's get the function dialed. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. Um, so I mean, I think that's that's good. I think that gets people running here a bit. I think maybe the only thing I want to finish with is you know when someone's just getting started. You know, we alluded to it at the beginning. 
Um, but, you know, in those first couple run workouts, and, you know, this is coming not, not off the couch again, but like, you know, a normal person is going to start running. They don't have a lot of running experience. You know, they could be really good cyclists, but, you know, again, that tissue isn't adapted. What does that, you know, those first months even look like as far as like what is a short run? You know, I think sometimes, you know, especially when people are coming from cycling or something like that, short means two hours, right? (laughs) And and so I think that's where, especially with cycling clients I have, like you say short or something and then, yeah, like someone will go out and do 90 minutes and they won't walk for another two months, right? Like, right. so what does that, like, honestly, what does, you know, what are those first workouts? Like, how are they composed? You know, how do we, you know, limit them a little? Uh, And what, what would the duration be like in your opinion? So if someone is just starting into running specifically, um, if they have a background, they can probably do two or three miles at a time. And that would probably be appropriate for them. Um, What I would have them do would be start off with two or three mile runs, um, gradually build the overall weekly load. And so the general rule of thumb is that as you are increasing the load, you don't want to increase your total mileage by more than 10% week over week. So, um, and that seems really slow to some people because like you said, if they're used to cycling for two hours and they think, okay, well, I should be able to go out and run for at least an hour. Um, but it does tax, uh, your muscles and your connective tissues in a different way. So when they're just starting out, you know, I say two to three miles, you know, do it, um, minimum three times a week. Um, if you can five or six times a week as you build up to it, that would be ideal. Um, and when you're first starting off, don't worry as much about speed. I always have people build just their base capacity first, and then you can add in the speed later. Uh, because, Speed work, whether it's a track workout, whether it's a tempo run, uh, no matter what it is, it is a little bit more taxing on your body and it takes a bit more time to recover from. Uh, And if you try to add in speed too early, then you're setting yourself up. You're more likely to be injured. Mm -hmm. No, I think that makes sense. Yeah. And now is there anything like after the run, like do people want to avoid, you know, if they're sore after, you know, they've done say three 20 minute runs, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they've been warming up maybe by walking and doing some of these Frankenstein walks and stuff. And then they, you know, maybe run for 15, 20 minutes and then walk to cool down and do a bit of stretching or rolling or something, you know, and they're still finding that they're sore, you know, do they, do they proceed or like at what point do you sort of stay at that, that level for a little while that say three by 20 minute runs? Yeah. So if you're still getting sore, then you either need to slow down a little bit during the run. Maybe you're pushing the speed already and you shouldn't be. Um, But you don't want to proceed to up your mileage until you get to a point where you can do it comfortably and you're not, you know, walking around like a duck uh, for a couple days afterwards. If you're doing that, then, um, you know, most people want to focus on the workload but recovery is just as important and actually the rest is where your body rebuilds. Mm-hmm. So if you're not giving yourself the appropriate recovery time and building slowly, then you're not going to see the results in the long run. So yeah, definitely. If you're still sore, don't go to the next level until you've gotten to a place where you can do this relatively comfortably. And maybe you get a little bit sore 
you know, for a day after, but it shouldn't be where, you know, two days later, you're still walking funny. Um, Mm -hmm. If that's the case, then yeah, definitely don't, don't bump it up. Um, And the other thing to look at too is, you know, if you're sore, is there something that you need to address, you know, with your recovery? You know, what are you eating after the run? Are you taking in, you know, any nutrients? Are you, are you stretching? You know, some people will just run and then not cool down. Um, you know, they'll just stop and that's it. So, you know, are, are you doing the cool down walk? Are you stretching afterwards? Um, are you foam, foam rolling? Those are all things to look at if you're not recovering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, I think, yeah, my only other question is, uh, you know, now that you've hit the, the 40 by 40 goal, and I mean, I guess for anyone else that, you know, has the marathon on the bucket list and kind of checks it off, I guess, where do you go once uh, once that goal is uh, is done? Did you jump right into like, oh, crap, what am I going to do next? Or <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm still working on what my next big goal is. I have a couple different ideas that I'm bouncing around. I am going to continue to run marathons and continue to run ultra marathons. Um, I've had quite a few people ask me, so now that you've done your 40, are you retired? <laughs> I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not retired. Um, I truthfully plan to be the crazy grandmother that's still running marathons in her 90s. Um <laughs> I love it. There, uh, there was a guy in Toronto. Actually, he's 84 years old, and he just ran sub four in the Toronto Marathon. So, yes, yeah, <laughs> I saw I saw an article about him, and that's so incredible. So, I hope to be able to do that someday. Um, so, yeah, my next goal, I'm going to continue running. Um, like I said, I have a couple more scheduled yet this year, and uh, 50 is kind of the next threshold, the 50th marathon. And I haven't decided exactly which one it's going to be yet, but it will likely be sometime the end of 2017 that I'll hit my 50th. Um, I do know that I want to do more ultras Mm -hmm. and I want to do some hundred milers. So there's a very good chance that the next goal is going to somehow revolve around that. Yeah, I like that either way you're you're thinking about what the, the next goal is, not just kind of resting on the laurels of the, the 40 by 40. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> no. I mean, like I said at the beginning, I'm the type of person that always wants to be growing. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to just sit back and, you know, say, well, I did it. Now I'm done. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I'm taking a little bit of time. I purposefully did not schedule a whole lot after the seven day series just because I didn't know how it was going to go. And I didn't know if I would need a whole lot of time to recover. Um, it turns out that, um, I didn't and everything went incredibly well. Um, I'm actually, I'm running my next marathon in about a week and a half. I'm pacing a friend, um, who, you know, wants to break a certain time goal. So, uh, yeah, I'm already, back at it and so now that I know that I'm recovered and it's okay to you know focus on the next thing mm-hmm. I'm just brainstorming and trying to decide what that's going to be awesome I love it well yeah lots of good tips there today um, so now people where can they find you on the interweb 
So my website is 40by40fitness.com. Uh, 40 is spelled out, F-O-R-T-Y. Um, and the name of the website was named after my goal to run 40 marathons or ultras before my 40th birthday. Uh, I am also on Facebook under 40 by 40 fitness. Um, I'm on Instagram as Ren and mama 262. I should change that, but I've just never done it. I kind of liked my original handle. I like it. <laughs> so it, it seemed very appropriate. Uh, long before 40 by 40 ever happened, I was running mama. So <laughs> Fair enough. No, wait, is it, how, how is it spelled? So it's R-U-N-N-I-N-M-A-M-A, 26, and then an underscore, two. Okay, there we go. Got it. Yep. Love awesome. It. Anything and else? Actually, go ahead. All yeah. my, oh, no. All my social handles are actually linked through my blog as well. So if anybody has a hard time finding me, if they just go to 40by40fitness.com in the sidebar, there's a link to every single one of my social media handles. Awesome. Awesome. Alrighty, we'll get that linked and we'll let you know when it goes up. Thank you for taking your time today. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks. We'll talk right. to you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Okay, you too. Bye bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Uh, to check out all of the show notes for this episode, you can head over to consummateathlete.com. And we would love to hear from you about what you thought about the podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Molly J. Herford. And at Peter Glassford. And we would also love it if you would pop over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast so you can tell every time a new episode, a new sport comes out. And if you would leave us a review, let us know how you're, how you're liking it, how we're doing, if there's anything you'd like to hear more of, that would be amazing. And you can find us over on Facebook now, uh, facebook.com backslash consummate athlete. Thanks again for tuning in, and we will see you next time.